what do we do when we find ourselves up against the many leadership challenges that exist within our chosen careers? We all have goals and achievements that we would like to accomplish. Unfortunately, these desires don't come equipped with insight or awareness on how to bring these accomplishments to light. In essence, this is why the Dream Octane Niche Finder Framework was formed. Our founder, Clifton C. Manning, spent the first 17 of his 20-year career in healthcare working with physicians and healthcare leaders to achieve patient-centric goals while possessing only an associate's degree in applied science. At times, these challenges were daunting and he felt unqualified to achieve the success he wanted. However, he focused on becoming intentional in reading every leadership book that he could find, as well as attending frequent seminars in areas where he saw opportunities to improve. Over time, as he applied insights gained from these various sources, he was able to successfully and efficiently cross the hurdles he found himself up against. Eventually, varying degrees of success within his sphere of leadership influence became more evident. The Niche Finder podcast is intended to bring similar insight to you, the listener, from those who have achieved some level of noteworthy success in their chosen career. Our hope is that the challenges they have overcome in the past will provide insight for your current leadership struggles and unlock the dream of achieving success in your own career. We believe that if innovative change is an engine, your unique dreams and abilities could be its fuel. And now I present to you the host of the Niche Finder podcast, Clifton C. Manning. Well, you know, I want to welcome you to this episode of the Niche Finder Framework. Uh, Today, listen, we have special guests today. She's someone that I worked in when I was working in healthcare in a community hospital. She was somebody from the first time we met. We just hit it off. You know, not only is she a great personality, she's a great person who has a great heart and a heart for people, heart for patients. And she really wants to do the right thing. She's one of those individuals that after I met her and got to know her, I actually have a category called bandwidth meaning that they have something to offer, but then there's so much more capacity to them than what they're actually doing. (laughs) And uh, over the years, as we shared and we talked, I was so pleased to see that some of that bandwidth that she has started to be tapped into. You know, so we're going to unfold. I know I'm being a little bit cryptic, but I really want her to share her journey. So without further ado, I want to introduce the Niche Finder Framework. I want to introduce Michelle Tinglin. And she is nurse extraordinaire. She's been in education. She's a traveling nurse. She's been in the ER. She's been in the ICU. She's been she's been throughout the entire hospital. And if you're in healthcare, you're in nursing. She's one of the people. She's like a Swiss Army knife, you know. And so, I appreciate the fact that she's taking time out of her her busy day. Uh, she's now in, in nursing leadership and doing a number of things, a number of great things, helping people vicariously now. But she also took time on top of that busy schedule to do a nonprofit called Sweetwater Blossom that's doing a great work in the little island of Jamaica. She's doing big things in that little island of Jamaica, making a big difference. Remember just wanting to bring uniforms to, you know, underserved community that they had there and they just wanted uniforms and the kids just wanted to play instruments and they needed a resource and she became that resource. I'm going to let her tell her journey. But without further ado, again, I introduce to you one more time, Michelle Tinling. Welcome to the program. Oh, what a journey. It is so awesome <laughs> to just um, be able to just meet up and have quality time because this is not even a podcast. This is a conversation. That's it. It's a conversation. That's it. And <laughs> we're definitely going to be having like an awesome conversation, just sharing my journey 
Well, let me ask you the question that we can get started. How about we do that? How about you tell the audience? Why don't you let the audience know why would they even have a vested interest in your journey? You know, I think anyone will have a vested interest in my journey because it's different, right? Mm. I'm a, you know, I have a bachelor's degree in nursing. I have a master's degree in, in nursing, a post-master's certificate in nursing. And I started on a PhD journey, yet I veered off that course, mm. right, into nonprofit. And that's why my journey is a little bit different because normally in nursing, you're, you're in a hospital or some type of healthcare field. But for me, I took the healing to the street, right? I took the healing to the countryside of Jamaica through marching band. Healing right. community through marching band, through music and the arts and just getting this opportunity to bond with young people, you know, and their families and understanding their need because everyone is different. Everyone has a different need. Sometimes you might need food. Sometimes you might need medication. Sometimes mm. you just need a listening ear, and that creates the healing. So for mm. me, it was still healthcare. I was still practicing nursing, but a different form, you know, at the grassroots level. So that's why it's a little bit different. And I did this um, since 2015, and I'm still doing it. And, you know, so that's why my journey is different because I'm practicing nursing in the typical sense in a hospital. I'm a nursing professor, I'm a nurse administrator, and at the same time running a nonprofit, still bringing the healing, creating a healing environment for families and seeing awesome outcomes at the same mm, time. I love it. You know, so Sweetwater Blossom, you started it back in 2015. As you were talking, I, I hear the passion in your voice for doing this nonprofit. And it, it actually reminds me of a quote by Jim Carrey that he dropped while he was doing a commencement speech. This was back back in 2014. And he says, you can fail at what you don't want to. So you might as well take a chance and do what you love. And so failure is always an option, right? Like, so we always going to, we always are at that point where failure is kind of standing on the opposite end of the road, waiting to, to laugh at us when we fall. But I, I applaud your, your courage to be able to step out and say, I just want to go out there and I want to help out in this way. And it sounds like you've been making a difference. What did you want to accomplish, though, when you uh, started out on this journey in this nonprofit field? Okay, so just overall, but, you know, I think what my niche is, is actually problem solving. So as a nurse educator at the time and part of nursing leadership, you know, I always love to tackle any kind of issues. And so one day I was reading the news. It was all over the news. Young boys were actually having cardiac arrest on the field playing soccer and um, somewhere in Kingston in Jamaica. And then a couple of weeks later, another young boy, he played basketball. He was on his way home on the bus. And he was dead on the bus. They didn't even realize until they got to um, mm. the Spark Valley High School. That's somewhere in, in Montego Bay. And as a nurse educator, but also as a CPR instructor, I realized that, oh, we could actually <laughs> counteract this problem, mm. right? Because as you know, if you're having a cardiac arrest or if you had a cardiac arrest, you could utilize CPR to increase the chance, the chances of survival, right? Right. So I said to myself, well, if I go to Jamaica, right? And teach the masses, you know, not only teach the members of the team, but the spectators and, mm. the and the other students, then you increase the number of individuals who know CPR. So if a young person or a young man collapses on the field, then it increases the chances of survival. Mm. So I was like super excited because yes, here I am as a nurse educator, the CPR instructor in a hospital, and I'm having the vision 
of going to Jamaica and saving lives because I'm watching it live on, it was live on TV, on the internet. You know, this young man collapsed and then they were basically sprinkling water on this young man and he passed away. Wow. He passed away, but the difference could have been made if they had applied compressions, right? Wow. So, and, and that just birthed something in me. And I said, okay, I'm going to try to get CPR uh, mannequins. And I started reaching out to people, the chief medical officer at the time. Mm. And they were excited, you know, about the whole process. And then I ended up losing my job like a couple weeks later. (laughs) 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 But guess what? Having two degree, master's degree, being able to find a job, not a problem, right? But somewhere inside of me at the core said, it's not for you to find a job right now. Your job, mm. like a typical job in the hospital, it's for you to go to Jamaica. Mm. So I lost my job or it was a lot of opportunity to no longer work in a typical setting and, right. you know, transported by an airplane to Jamaica, mm. a land of wood and water. That's it. To teach, to travel the island with my mannequin and my AEDs and teach the community and young people how to save lives. And mm. at the time I had started to invest in marching band, right? By bringing them uniforms and instruments. And by just doing research, I was just so propelled because what the research showed that the young people actually involved in marching band, they also could have, they're prone for having cardiac arrest. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be saving the people that I'm investing in too, right? Into these marching band kids. So for me, it was a win-win. And mm. The rest, I'm telling you, is history because I went from, you know, doing CPR training at the the convention center, the trauma conference, to doing training in churches, in schools, on on, on a river, on a raft, all over the island. And Mm. it allowed me, basically, this was my gift, and it allowed me to be in the presence of individuals, like of dignitaries, who were opening doors and giving opportunities. And I was getting called from the government, like, oh, you know, we heard about you. We'd like to meet you. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Me, a peon, a mere mortal. (laughs) 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 But that gift and just that the calling from my core. Yeah. I followed that call. And it has allowed me to be in some very special places. Mm. And it has allowed me to meet some very interesting individuals. And when they say like you know your net work is your net worth mm. I would say I'm pretty wealthy right mm. <laughs> I don't have no money to show however if I'm in a position and I need a resource I'm pretty sure that I could you know have conversations with individuals within my circle to find a solution or even find some type other type of resource to assist the person that I need right so just from this one little calling right just by like, you know, following, I guess, you know, people say, you know, you're just walking blindly. But no, it's following my core and mm. utilizing my gift and serving. Mm. I'm serving. You know, I saw it as a ministry where mm. I'm pouring into communities. And a friend of mine said to me, she said, you know, Michelle, what you should do, CPR should mean something more than just a typical CPR. Because if you think about CPR, you're thinking about, you know, applying compression, somebody's dying. Right. And I was just like, okay, but what's going to be, make it a campaign, make it a part of the sweet water blossom foundation. Mm. Make it a, so you have the CPR Jamaica campaign. Right. And the C stands for compassion mm. stands for possibility. 
and the mm. architecture result. Because when you're serving or you're going into a community to transform this community or it's your vision to transform the community, you have to be compassionate because you can't take whatever you think that needs to happen and just bring it here because it's not going to work. Well, let me ask you this. Yes. What internal struggles were you having as you started out on this journey? <laughs> the need to go back to work. That's the, that's the internal struggle because you still have the bills, right? Right, right. So the finance. So, you know, you still have the bills and you also have that expectation of everybody else. Mm. Right? Like, you know, I don't understand. You know, you're not getting paid. Right? And that's an internal struggle because, you know, you say, oh, you know, I went to school. I can do this. And here you are, like, in squares, you're on the street, you're not driving, you're taking taxis, you're living on, like, the bare minimum, right? And that's a struggle, because right. you could go back quickly to a six-figure job, mm. right? You could be a travel nurse. My background is emergency trauma, so, you know, I could find a job. Oh, yeah. You know, I was an admin. It's a high, high demand for the, of those positions. Right. So, yeah. imagine you have, like, you know, these jobs, high-paying high jobs, and you're saying no. So that was an internal struggle for me because then, you know, my family was saying, Michelle, you know, you can work, <laughs> you know, right. you make an income, you know, we're not going to be supporting you like that. And I had to say, it's okay. And I basically just stepped out on faith and it was okay. I struggled with it for a few years, but I'll be honest, doors were opening. As I just walked out there on faith, doors were opening and I could see what I wanted. I could see things coming together. I, you know, my vision was real for me, mm. but not everyone could see it. And I had to become okay with that. Not, I had to become okay with not getting validation from other people saying, you know, you know, you need to, you know, you know, it's a good thing that you're doing or, you know, we don't support you. And I heard, or I saw sometime in the nonverbals in the body language, like we're not supporting you. So I had to be okay with that. But it was a struggle and it took some time, but um, it was worth it. It, it sounds like it sounds like your internal struggles also converge with some external struggles. I'm hearing like external struggles. And it, it's so fascinating to me that you were fine. You found a way to keep going. So what exactly did you want to achieve on this desired goal? My goal was to transform lives. Hmm. That was my goal. Yeah. Transform lives and just educate people. And. I receive much more than that because <laughs> at the end of the day, it became more than CPR. It became more than just teaching them how to do compression. Basically, turned into conversations with members of the communities, with parents. Mm. And it became a journey for the community themselves because now you had parents coming out wanting to be involved. And, you know, people say, oh, well, we've never seen this before. Parents normally don't come out, <laughs> you know, like you right. have booster moms here. Parents mm. wanted to be involved. And they will come out and they'll dr get dressed up and they'll say to me, oh, Miss Tingling, thank you so much for pouring into our kids or for supporting our kids. Because it wasn't a matter of really supporting the community. It's the fact that I was spending time with the kids and having conversations with them and saying to them, now that I've educated you, go home and educate your parents. Mm. And the parents were appreciated because their kids were basically breaking down information for them. And then from the CPR turning to parenting classes, we started mm. parenting classes. We started having medical missions. They were getting trips. Like, you know, mm. we're going to the beach. Wow. To have um, mentorship sessions. 
my sorority sisters from Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated, they traveled to Jamaica. They were just like, oh my God, this is amazing. And they were pouring into these young people. Wow. You know, wow. so you it know, became a mission for much more than Michelle, but for my friends too. So you know what's interesting? So uh, it's not only a mission, but hello, you said you start talking, telling people you're gonna go to Jamaica to help somebody. I know you helping yourself too, right? Because that you stepping up to, you just stepping into paradise. You gonna help somebody, but you gonna help yourself too because to a good time. I understand it, I got it, but I love the fact that there was some validation that started happening right for you when you i remember there were times that you were starting this out and i hear people you know all the time i mean i i, I have a, a a good amount of creative people in, in my network and and people have ideas and things like that or passions and desires but i saw the way things for you translated from just a verbal passion just a, a anecdotal thing like oh it'd be great if i could to you setting up things and things just started to fall into place. So I, I started to see like you had a vision, but then you created a roadmap. Then you start looking for resources. And I remember you called me one day and you was like, hey, I need you to check this out, Cliff. And you sent me the article, uh, I think it was on WhatsApp or Facebook or something like that. And it was an article that, that you know, that particular, I don't remember the name of the actual newspaper, but they have featured you in this article and then i think it was the was it the mayor or the governor someone some dignitary there was the mayor the mayor that was actually acknowledging the work that you were doing down there and i was like wow like did you just tell me about this like six months ago like how did you accelerate this but i find it i want to use this as kind of a a launching pad for us going into the next segment which has to do with your niche Right. And in my belief, as in a book uh, soon to be released, uh, Dream Octane, the seven steps to discovering, developing and delivering your niche. I found that there are five things, five core principles that make up someone's niche. The first one is passions. What do you do uh, or have strong interest in? The second one is purposeful. What do you do that feels meaningful to you? The third one is patterns. What do you do naturally? Well, the fourth one is proficiencies. What activities have you learned to do well over time? And the last one is problem solving. What challenges have you been able to correct in a unique way? So when we start with the very first one, it's pretty obvious. I don't even need to ask you what your passion is, but I want you to ask. I'm going to ask you because I want to hear what you're going to say. What is your passion? What were your passions back in the day that made you say, this is what I need to do right now? People. I would say my passion was just like interacting with people and serving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, you know, and I think coming from nursing, nursing is a, is a service profession. We serve. And we go, if you go into nursing for the right reasons, yeah. you understand that, you know, some nurses are creating and some nurses are born. And I think I was just born in nursing. Mm. And that's just my passion to really serve. I enjoy serving. I enjoy, it's a feeling that you get. And even from the other individuals that you're serving, you know, when you hit that right chord, and they smile and they look at you and they say, thank you. Or even though they'll say thank you, you just have that feel that, that electrical connection. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> you know, when what's what's interesting, so we're talking, this is again the niche finder podcast, right? So I talk to people about their niche, I research about the niche. I mean, niche, I kind of live and breathe this stuff. If you wake me up in the middle of the night, that's probably gonna be the first word that comes out of my mouth. It's gonna be niche, right? It's gonna be like, what's your niche? Why are you here? But what I found with you is even when you're in and we were working together 
no matter where they put you, you seem to rise to exceeding expectations to where normally for those people who are listening, you don't know too much about nursing and, and healthcare. I just give you a really good, good snapshot real quick. Uh, so typically, uh, you know, nurses are they're They're very uh, specific and they tend to find a niche within the healthcare. So if you're great with pediatrics, you go to pediatrics. You know, if you're great with like critical care, you'll go to that unit. And ERs, like you're quick on your feet, you're thinking and that type of thing. And then med surge, everybody has a specialty, but there are a rare few individuals. Miss Tingling is one of them. <laughs> you throw them and you put a blindfold on them. You put them in a hospital. You spin them around and you just turn them loose. And whatever department they end up in, they wind up succeeding. And so I hear you when you say that your passion is serving. And I find it so interesting that it kind of manifested itself in what I think to be your proficiency. But what I want to hear from you now is what do you think that you do or you've learned to do well over time? What's your proficiency? You know what? Just listening to you just now, because sometimes when you hear someone else talk about you, you be like, ooh. <laughs> I would, you know, honestly, I would say strategic planning. Uh, I, I would just say that. Because, you know, and it, you might think it's a broad term, but in nursing, right, we, you have to assess, you have to plan, you have to implement and evaluate, right? Yeah. And I've applied that. I learned that in nursing school like years ago, eons ago at Rutgers. And regardless, and I always tell my students, regardless of what you're doing, you, you all you could apply that, the nursing process. And it helps you with like, you know, when you go into a room and interact with individuals, you're always assessing them. You're always looking at them and you say, you know, you know, how are you going to connect with this person? And so, you know, unconsciously, we're we're, impl- we're doing things to implement it, right? And then we look at the outcome, like you know, how was that interaction? <laughs> right? And I think it's something that we do with, but for me, right? Yeah. And my background is very diverse. When Sandy happened, you know, when I when I you know I was working with you, I was working mm. in, a, in a cardiac um, rehab, and then all the other things that end up in the ICU, the ER. Hurricane Sandy. Hurricane Sandy. Hurricane Sandy. Yeah. Sandy, right? And I just adapted, right? Mm. And even now in my professional life now as an administrator, where, you know, or even as a professor, a big part of what I do is strategic planning. Mm. Because when you go in and you're in charge of a hospital and you're assessing everything, (laughs) you have to plan for the next 10 hours, right? When I go out into any kind of field, whether for my nonprofit or anything I'm doing, I always have to plan. I have to assess and put together a strategic plan. Even if it's a really basic thing. Right? So maybe maybe that is my niche. <laughs> maybe. Well, what do you do? So proficiencies is one side of the coin. That's what you've learned to do well over time. And the other side of the coin is, I believe, patterns. This is what we do naturally well. What do you think that you do naturally well? How's that? Marketing. Hmm. <laughs> right? Putting things together and um, because the reason I say marketing, because, you know, once I go in and I assess something, I always want to make it better. Yeah. Want to make it more presentable. Right. And I want to reorganize a little bit and always have a vision for something like, you know, this is where it can be. This is, you know, this is where it needs to be. And Mm. what for me to get the buy-in. And I think I learned that from you as my mentor. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> I had to be able to understand it myself and be able to present it to the, the stakeholders. Yeah. Identify the stakeholders. So, you know, 
I've actually learned, you know, how to do marketing or because for you to work in administration or get a buying, you have to know how to market. You have to know how to sell. That's true. Right? So I think that's something that I've learned to do over a period of time. I failed a couple of times and trust me, it was like all the time. But guess what? I've learned to fail forward. All right. So, and the recovery period is the recovery period is now shorter. Before uh-huh. I would cry for months, like, oh my lord, I can't yeah. fail. But now we're just like, you know what? It happened. What we're we gonna do next? You just, you know, and, and now I'm learning that I'm not starting over from scratch. I'm starting over from experience. Mm. You know, Winston Churchill actually said success consists of going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. And I kind of hear that in what you're saying right now. Tell me about what do you do that feels purposeful? Mentorship. Mm. <laughs> and it's not only mentoring other people, but seeking mentorship for myself. Mm. Right? Because in the beginning, especially when, you know, I've been a nonprofit for since 1999. So that's over like 20, so 21 years or more. And we often want to pour into other people. When you mm. name a service profession, you're always pouring. And I love mentorship. I love mentoring. I love to see the turnaround. I love to get the feedback and I love to say, you know, Auntie Michelle or Miss Michelle, you know, this happened. But now I'm in college. Now I'm a guidance counselor. Now I'm doing my mm. master's. I'm getting my master's just like you, Miss Michelle. Mm. But I'm learning also, which was purposeful to me, is being mentored. Yeah. It's like being fed, being poured into. Because, you know, they say you can't pour from an empty cup. And sometimes they feel like, you know, mm. I've entered him and, you know, it's so great. And then you walk away feeling empty because it's like, you know, going to counseling. Like, you still have your own issues. Right. right? And yes, you're fixing because we like to be fixers, right? Especially right. We like to be fixers. Oh, yeah, Michelle's a fixer. But I'm also learning that Michelle needs to be fixed. And yeah. Michelle needs to receive feedback. And she needs to be open to feedback. Not only receive, but mm. be open to it and allowing it to manifest. Right, yeah. and if, if it's not something that she wants, speaking the third person, I'm a little bit narcissistic. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> something that I want to hear, yeah. right? It's something that you know I could receive, I could write it down, and I could revisit it and say, now how can I apply this? Because sometimes when we get feedback and, and we're being mentored, we kind of resist because it's not what we want. It's, it's not how we want to hear it. And um, I've learned mm-hmm. that you know. Through mentorship, just like I encourage my mentee, through mentorship, you can go a lot farther with mentorship. Because if you listen and apply what was taught to you or shared with you by the seasoned person or the experienced person, you could have kind of skipped some of those hurdles. But mm. sometimes, you know, we just want to do our own thing. <laughs> so it's, it sounds like that's also another P that we have on here, what you do as far as for problem solving. Uh, would you agree? Yes. Definitely, because as you grow, right? Because if you are just comfortable with the status quo, right? You don't have to really, I don't think you have to worry too much about problem solving. Mm. <laughs> it's like, eh, you know, I'm a nurse. I'm, I'll be fine. You know, I like working on the right. But when you desire more and when you're a visionary, yeah. right? And when you want to see changes and when you want to see growth and when you want to see transformation, Right? You're going to experience challenges because you're going to do what? Hitting that wall. Like, oh, there's a wall. You know, you're going to be hitting that wall. And that's a problem. That's a challenge. Right? And um, what I've learned to do sometimes, sometimes, because sometimes I keep hitting the wall and then I have a big 
Jamaica call it a big cocoa on your forehead. <laughs> <laughs> That's a knot on your head for anybody who don't know what cocoa is. <laughs> right? And sometimes I have to learn to stop. Yeah. Right? And basically, like, it's like you're going with the river. Just flow a little bit. Just flow. Yeah. Right? Or just stop, take a step back, and just go another direction. And, um, but that comes with time and experience. Right, because what it does, it helps you to learn like a discern, to develop that discerning spirit, <laughs> like, you know. And that's growth. And what I'm learning too is emotional intelligence. <laughs> you know, it might sound funny, but you learn so much, and you can make such a difference when you start to learn about emotional intelligence. Okay, mm. and getting that discerning spirit and understanding, like you know what, you don't always have to be right. It's okay to be wrong. Even if you're you're right, you could be wrong sometimes. Just, just go with it. <laughs> and you, you know, Zig Ziglar uh, has a great quote. He said, uh, you don't have to be great to get started, but you do have to get started to be great. And so well, one of the things in this section right here that I want to get from you is at the very start of what you were trying to do on this path to greatness that you find yourself on right now, um, what secrets would you give to younger Michelle who's feeling the discouragement internally, who's feeling the external pressure of you can't or I'm not going to support you or they're not validating you. At the start of that point, what secret would you tell that Michelle that will help to accelerate that Michelle from back then to where you are today? Just start. Mm. Start. Just start. And when I first went into management, I, I had a coworker, right? And whenever they asked her to do something, she would just do it. So the paper, like even if the paper was all crumpled and needed to be retyped, she would just make copies and hand it out. Hand <laughs> right? mm. it out, right? And she said, well, it's done. That's all that matters. It's done. For me, I always had to, you know, I had to go retype the paper, had to put a title to it, make sure it looked a certain way, make sure it was presentable, right? And it took a longer time. Yeah. Sometimes, right? But this person is just like, oh, it was done already. And she moved on. If they liked it, she, they said they didn't like it. And that was okay. It's done. Mm. Right? So to the younger Michelle, just start. You don't have to use a crumpled paper now. But it doesn't have to be perfect. And you yeah. don't need validation. You know, you start. You get feedback or you learn from the little push start. And you, you take it back. Take back the feedback and refine it. And you go mm. And mm. it, but it's okay not to seek validation. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. And I, and I sometimes I see individuals who are at the top, like you, you, you be working somewhere, and you said, "Oh my gosh, how did he become the CNO? Or how did he become the CEO? He doesn't know anything, right? Mm. Not even perfect. Well, you realize, well, you realize that he just started. Right? Wow. Right? <laughs> he just started. And they'll say, oh, no, 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 this is not what I want. And they say, okay, what do you want? And then they'll say, you know, I need the T over here and the Y over here. So no problem, I'll fix it. And they say, oh, right? So I learned that, like, you know what, just start because they're at the top. And they just mm. still don't have the information that I have. Well, the time I'm using to be a perfectionist or to have it a certain way, have it packaged a certain way, you mm. know, he already passed by already because they, they gave him the information when they gave him the feedback, say no. Put the T over here and the Y over here, and he just fixed it. And okay, package and we're done. So sometimes, you know, we have to look at leadership in other places or even the leaders within your circle. 
And not saying that you're going to be sloppy with it, but we could take a thing or two from their books. Mm. So I hear you about getting started, but what is a secret to not only getting started, but staying committed? Being humble in the process. Yeah, 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 that's real. You're going to become discouraged. Sometimes your self-esteem will go to the gutter. You're going to make some mistakes. Mm. You're going to be embarrassed sometimes. And But what I've realized is that the healing part of that is that once you know you're putting your best foot forward, yeah, your best, your very best, it doesn't feel so bad. Wow, wow, <laughs> wow. It's like, you know, just give your very best. Do the very best you can. Yeah. Regardless of who you're doing it for, just do your very best. And that's the reward. Mm. Because you think it's the very best, you're going to have someone who say, I don't like it. Wow. I came across a story today. Um, it's interesting. And um, it was about a, a, a little boy who was on a beach and he was noticed by a man who was walking on a beach and he saw this boy throwing what he thought to be rocks into the ocean. And as he got closer, he asked the little boy, like, why are you throwing? What are you throwing in the ocean? And the little boy said, I'm throwing a starfish back in the ocean. And he says he looked in and turned and looked at the boy then looked at the entire beachfront. And he saw that the way the tide had come in, it had washed all of these starfish along the beach. And it was like miles of them, right, of starfish on the beach. And he said to the little boy, little boy, you can't make a difference. You're not going to make much of a difference. There's too many starfish on this beach right here. You're not going to make a difference. And so the little boy listened to him politely. And turned to the guy as he picked up another starfish and he threw it in the water. And he says, I may not make a difference to all of them, but to that one, I just threw it to the, back into the ocean. I made a difference for him. And so I hear what you're doing in Jamaica. And, and, and I love the fact that you not only had a vision, not only had a drive, but you made it happen and you stay consistent. Tell me about how rewarding it's been and, and how many lives do you think that you've touched from the time that you had your first class to where you are today. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a very um, hard question. And, and the question is hard because I won't say hard, I'll just say a little bit challenging. Because if I educate 20, I envision that 20 will go and educate another 20. Yes, yes, yes. Right? So just. At the bare minimum. Right now, I'm I'm working with over 800 young people. Wow. In Jamaica. Wow. Over 35 marching bands across Jamaica. We have virtual classes. We have different things that, you know, where we interact. We have a WhatsApp group. So for CPR, I would say, you know, a couple thousand because I've been, you know. Wow. I've, I've, you know, presented in various parishes and various forums. And these people have to go back. Even police stations I've done. I've gone to rafting villages on, on top of like bamboo rafts, teaching them how to, you know, do compressions if someone, like a tourist is there. And then just impacting lives through marching band, which is different from the CPR. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right? So then you have the CPR, you have the marching band. And I also use my gift as a nursing professor and a nurse administrator to go into hospitals in Jamaica, as well as um, partnering with the University of West Indies School of Nursing to educate their nursing students here as mm. well as professional nurses. Wow. So, you know, the impact, right? I guess I have to, you know, that's, a, I need to follow because we always need to be able to um, present the numbers, right? <laughs> you yes. know, and um, 
no worries though i mean that that i think what is what you're sharing with me right now we go back to that analogy of the little boy on the beach is that now i'm envisioning the investment you made in that one person i'm envisioning that that little boy now has other people who was inspired by him and he has other people picking up a starfish right and throwing it so so we may not know right like the kid could be gone and not even realize the impact you can be over here in the u.s and not knowing somebody has passed out on a bus stop in some parish in jamaica and looking for help and saying is is there anybody around somebody can somebody help me And, and that that training of that individual who may have been like three degrees of separation from the one you train is now doing compressions in a way that you taught them. And I, and I think that you may never know, you know, right? Because it's an exponential return. But I applaud the fact that you got started. I applaud the fact that you stay committed. And I applaud the fact that you you you, you didn't allow your heart to just just uh, uh, relegate you to just being a daydreamer. But you made it happen. And, and I appreciate you. I have a last question for you. <laughs> and it's this. <laughs> last question that I have for you is, um, uh, how do you know and I love asking everybody this question. How do you know when to change course for what you're doing versus staying focused on your goal? How do I know to change course? I often use what we'll call failure. Because mm. right? sometimes, you know, within a foundation or within your life, you know, you might have these little campaigns and little, you know, things that you're working on, little projects, right? They've been yeah. big projects. And whenever... I hit the snag or I, I do not get the outcome that I desire or even if I get the, the outcome maybe I don't feel the impact is that great I do some kind of like you know evaluation for myself yes right some self-evaluation and you know because it might be a project that's not even a project for the foundation mm. personal and when I'm not getting the outcome I was if I didn't get the outcome or it feels painful mm. or the experience was not what I wanted. Um, I do some type of like, you know, alone time. Okay. Or okay. Just speaking to my mentors, you know, looking to see what I could do differently. And, you know, most of the time, you know, I, I change course by, you know, you know, embarking on something different, still the same like group of individuals, but some, another approach, another project or, just abandoning that project altogether. Mm. And I, I would never go back to it. Last, I'll give you an example. Last year, I had a virtual cheerleading program. Meeting mm. a um, coach from LA for the young people. It was during COVID. For, and he had a lot of young girls in Jamaica who are in marching bands, you know, and I think they could learn, you know, ballet, all these things virtually. And could it have worked? Yes. Was it working? Yes. But was it working well? No. <laughs> mm. And there were other challenges to that. You know, individuals didn't have phones or iPads or computers, didn't have Wi-Fi, all these different things. And it was a disaster. Mm. It was a disaster. Well, maybe for me. For right, me. right, right. Well, that's real. You can be honest with it. Right, for me. Yeah. It's not what I wanted. What I was seeing manifesting was not what I wanted. And I shelved it. Mm. And, you know, it was kind of depressing for me. Yeah. This was something that I really was excited about because my dream is not only for people to know how to play in the marching band, but I would love to see young black girls who are poor, you know, their parents are farmers, 
you know, I'm going doing ballet, practicing mm, in the marketplace, inside mm, mm. the fruits or in the, on the, in the countryside, you know, mm. someone like you, you see like in Cuba or some other right. And for me, it was a failure and I shelved it and I worked on something. I actually end up serving someone else's um, foundation. I see, okay. right now, give your thing a break a little bit and just serve somewhere else. And sometimes we have to do that. Hmm. It's not like, you know, you're abandoning your foundation. But sometimes, you know, if something is not working, maybe you need to learn from someone else how they're executing. Right. Right? So. Well, I love it. You know, I, I think that it you have shared so many nuggets and of resiliency of staying focused when it comes down to having a dream and, and, and watching it come to fruition and everything that comes in between there that could make someone feel like, hey, you know what? I'm not going to do this. So even though failure, as you mentioned it just a while ago, was a course correction for you as it related to that one thing, I applaud the fact that the, the thing that you felt most passionate about, that you stuck with it and now there's hundreds, maybe even thousands of lives that's been touched either through CPR or through the marching band uh, initiative that you did in that little island of Jamaica. Uh, if somebody wants to get in contact with you, maybe connect you with a resource or could just connect with you as a resource, uh, how would they get in contact with you? Well, I'm definitely on social media. So my foundation is Sweetwater Blossom Foundation. You can find it on Instagram or on Facebook. Uh, you can send me a message or you could, you know, visit my foundation website at www.sweetwaterblossomfoundation.org. Well, and you know, if you want to get in contact with me, you know, you can always visit us on uh, dreamoctane.org. And you know, our motto is if innovative change is an engine, well, your dream and ability could be its fuel. We appreciate you tuning in to the Niche Finder podcast today. And we just hope that you not only look to make a difference or look to have difference made to you, but you be the one that initiate the difference that can help someone else and get ready. Even if you don't feel ready for that moment, the things that you have inside of you is worth is valuable enough that you could actually be made for it. Right. Even if you don't feel ready for it, you may be made for it. And so be encouraged. It's an opportunity that's waiting with your name on it. And all you got to do is just continue to keep striving for that excellence and be grateful for the things that you have while you enjoy the process. Until next time, we appreciate you listening to this version of the Niche Finder podcast, and we will catch up to you the next time that we have our very next expert who will talk about their journey towards success. Thank you again and be blessed. Thank you.